Welcome to the Spiritual Underground Podcast. This is Dan coming to you from the studios at DTM Enterprises, my little wood shop in my backyard here where we do most of the recording for this podcast. I will let you know that this is a recovery-based podcast, uh, primarily 12-step recovery. We do explore other avenues of recovery. Uh, you can find out some of that stuff by going to spiritualunderground.org. Uh, I am interested in always that people come to recover their true spirits and become who uh who that power out there uh has meant for us to be some might say who god meant for me to be so i'm i'm interested in that so uh this podcast explores those things if this is the first time you have tuned in here uh 12-step spiritual recovery is a book by james christopher cone is available on amazon it is the uh uh master's level of 12 step is a lot of what's in that blue book of our alcoholics anonymous book a lot of what we get passed down is tribal knowledge and this is a version of that where uh most of that tribal knowledge has been documented it also has an element that allows people who are not necessarily alcoholics and addicts to harness these 12 step tools so uh it does not limit you to that we have four meetings going on in the louisville metropolitan area if you go to that spiritualunderground.org you can contact me and get some information about that uh there's also a website called 12stepspiritualrecovery.com you can go there um dtmww.net's my little woodwork handyman business if you're in the louisville metropolitan area uh contact me if you uh want some woodwork or some handyman work done and finally, the music wrapped around this is by Darren Frank, one of my brothers in my home group. Uh, he has uh, graciously allowed me to use his music for the uh, intros and outros on this podcast. So we will get to the business of hand today. Uh, I have another guest. This is like the third in a row that I met. The first time uh, I met him was uh, in the driveway as they arrived. And I kind of like that because uh, one of the things about this is I get to I get a new friend by the end of this podcast and I get to know somebody's story and uh, and, and I get selfishly get to hear it all by myself. Now, now and again, we invite or we, we always are open to allow guests to come in, but but they sometimes they're here and sometimes they are not. Um, y'all heard Anthony's story a I don't know, a month ago or something like that. He just celebrated one year, and Anthony had uh, uh, introduced me to this gentleman today. Uh, he was interested in possibly starting his own podcast, and I said, well, what better way to do that than to come on over and we'll uh, record your story. So James is here in the studio. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'm glad you came by, man. It's a little bit cold winter night here. I had to take some time to get the shop somewhat warmed up. Mm-hmm. I think it says it's 60 in here. That's survivable. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's good for me. Yeah. Um, so we'll just go ahead and get started, man. The first thing I usually ask people is what their sobriety date is. All right, so it's May 28, 2013. 2013, so that would put you just past six years. Yeah. Coming up on seven. Yeah. Yeah, not just past, but it oh, would be yeah. the most, yeah. Well, I don't know. You know yeah. how it is. Yeah, yeah. It's we had, I had my last guest, he just, he still is not clear. He was that fogged up. He said it's the 14th or 15th, uh, and, yeah. but it was 20 years ago, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and uh, I find that a little bit interesting when somebody uh, is a little fuzzy on their sobriety date. It's a really important date to me. And like when somebody, uh, I have another friend who was sober for quite some time before he came into rooms. And he and he and so he really doesn't know because it wasn't an aim when he stopped. 
Yeah. He just stopped one day and tried to stop drinking, and, and, he, and he successfully did that. Mm-hmm. And he went, I don't know, like three years before he came to a meeting. Sure. And that's an interesting gateway to, you know, that sure. is a, this thing works a lot of different ways. So um, usually what we do is start here, and uh, you can tell it however it comes to you. Um, the uh, I've had a couple of people, interestingly enough, talk about their, they started it today, they hit their bottom. Uh, they were for whatever reason, but, uh, I do like to go back and hear about, uh, you know, where you were born and what kind of family system you, you grew up into the best that you feel like sharing. And, uh, so I will turn the microphone over to you. I do, we do this like a conversation. What I want to do is make it look, you know, my thought of this is, is two guys sitting across the kitchen table talking rather than a monologue. No, I get it. Um, yeah, I was born on Poplar Level. I don't, I don't know what that hospital is called, but I should. Uh, right next to Saint X. Here in Louisville. In or Louisville, yeah, in Louisville, and uh, we lived in um, Portland. My uh, parents were both in law school, or just recently out and waiting to take the bar. And um, my um, grandparents on my dad's side were from Pennsylvania. They uh, worked in a factory, and my Grandparents on my mom's side were um, from. Uh, there were doctors in Louisville. Hmm. Worked at St. Mary's, I believe, and um, they had an independent practice. But I think that my grandmother worked at St. Mary's for some time. And and uh, you know, I'm not a hundred percent on that, but uh, so it was two very different dynamics. They both went to Center College, and then they moved to Louisville to go to Brandeis School of Law, and um, and we lived there. They. Uh, they got divorced maybe a year and a half, two years after I got, you know, after uh, I was born. And so we started moving a lot. Yeah. My dad moved out to, um, out by Tinseltown. All right. Yeah. He moved to Breckenridge Square for a while and then later on moved out by Tinseltown. As, he, as his law practice started to take off. Um, and mom got a job at um, Humana at doing decredentialing, which was sort of funny because. Um, you know, she was making, you know, her parents were both doctors. And so, you know, for the insurance side to be decredentialing the doctors who were involved in suits. I mean, that's just part of the game. But uh, and so we moved around, started to kind of move east, uh, landed in uh, the Highlands and Crescent Hill a bunch. I stayed with my mom a lot. I stayed with my dad on the weekend some. And um, and that's that's kind of how it started. I mean, uh, how far you want me to go? I can chase that. No, that's all cool. The way. No, you, uh, whatever you feel like sharing, to be honest. And I, what I want to do is just lead up to well, one of the things I'm hearing is is that uh, you didn't come, it sound like a relatively healthy household. I mean, except for sure. the, you know, I, I would say, you know, divorce could be obviously be a little bit of a trauma on a, on, on a child yeah. uh, if you were very young. They sound like you said a year or so old, year and yeah, a half like old or so. Years. So you yeah, really didn't even know yeah, what happened. No, you know, I so don't it have was any just, uh, yeah. the the separated parents were uh, normal. That was the way it was. All your, uh, far as you knew. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. They drank pretty heavily. Oh, did they? Um, and uh, I had a lot of young experiences with them being, uh, you know, incapacitated. You know, it, not. Uh, conscious of it you know of anything going on and uh i started to go from school to school uh as we started to move around a lot i think we've lived in 13 12 or 13 different places before wow. i was yeah. 13 uh 
which was a lot of different schools. I've, I, one of the things that I think is applicable to recovery or for me is that uh, I found a lot of fast friends mm. and that I found out in time that fast friends are not really good friends. Hmm. They're actually really bad friends. Oh. And, um, and so that was something that it took me a long time to kind of come to grips with because pretty much all of the friends that I had were fast friends um, because we moved so regularly. Yeah. Which gave me, uh, you know, it gave me the chameleon opportunity because we moved from, you know, Bick Elementary down in Portland on 32nd Street. Uh, and then, you know, in fifth grade, I moved to Our Lady of Lourdes, a Catholic school in St. Matthews. And there were five or six schools in between those two points. But um, yeah, you could like learn if you're some kind of personality thing or something wasn't working over here. Well, I'll just leave it. Yeah, and I'll no, become, no I get a fresh start now. No big deal. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I found out early I was really good at math. I, I had some, I excelled in some analytical areas. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, so yeah, I mean, we went to Our Lady of Lourdes. I really did not have a very good time at Lourdes. Uh, I had, uh, one of my teachers would uh, bully uh, me quite a bit. I think it's because I was new and I really don't know. I had a social issue with my peers and a social issue with one of my teachers. He he would, you know, punch me and other things, and I took that to my parents. Physical? Physical. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. He's still in prison over it. So, oh, is he? Wow. Uh, yeah, not over me. Uh, oh, I, but over his behaviors. Yeah, I took it to my parents, and I was like, uh, we went and sat with the principal at the time, and I said, you know, this guy's being physically abusive in class. Like, there's a lot of witnesses. And uh, they, you know, my parents just told me specifically that, you know, he's the authority. Uh, we trust him. Oh, wow. And we don't trust you, which which kind of created a, a, a unique boundary in fifth grade. Um, I, I was maybe a sophomore in high school by the time he went to prison for the rest of his life. So. Uh, or for the majority of his life, he beat up on some girls and some other stuff. And and not to talk down about Our Lady of Lourdes, everybody's got their own philosophy. Right, yeah. It's just like child molester, priests, you know, it's part of life. I yeah. mean, whether we want to accept it or not. Yeah, we got these doggone humans running around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, yeah, yeah. And they do stuff relations. less right, than... Yeah, uh, yeah, right. So, so that, um, I didn't really drink or anything. I, didn't, I did not find it very easy socially at Our Lady of Lourdes. It was... Uh, you know, it's a funny dynamic today. I have a different perspective of my peers while I was there. Hmm. At the time, I looked up to them as they were rich and I was poor. Uh, today, uh, none of them would have that perspective. It would be a very different philosophy, which is ironic. Yeah. Uh, just, but that's, but for the grace of God, there go I. I mean, I could have treated people poorly my whole life and, and had terrible results too i mean i don't i don't really know but yeah that whole uh, thing about perception and i've heard more than you know as i do this thing over and over again i've heard a number of times of people believing that they were less they were oh a hundred percent um poorer in their family upbringing than what they they thought sure, you know sure. and and uh, i call them bell ringers you know there seems to be these things that like you can say and it's like if i had a chalkboard over i could go ding yep check yep. mark check mark on the way to, uh, to, to, uh, to, to alcoholism. Yeah. And my, well, and my parents, my dad became a judge, um, and was a judge for a long time. He was a very good judge. Um, he was liked, uh, my mom was doing good at her job. Um, and so we were pretty comfortable for a while. Um, my, we had some, step-parent issues uh, more so with one of my siblings than uh, with me 
where um, she did not get along with them. And, and so I remember as I was, uh, you know, there were opportunities for me to drink and do drugs going through uh, grade school and um, they were not very, um, it just wasn't appealing. I didn't have any interest. I had too much stuff going on and, um, and I was sort of kind of trying to not follow the same path as I had just watched, you know, kind of crumble the situation around me on several occasions. And, um, so anyway, one day I, I, I find, um, some, uh, some pot that, you know, was a family member of mine's and, and they, um, were dishonest and I, I knew it and it was like the first time and I, I always try and bring that to the attention. There's a couple of things that I always think are fundamental for me at least, uh, they were fundamental, it was the idea that my family is not necessarily always going to be honest with me and um, and that I might not always, you know, they I might not believe them, you know, I might know that they're lying to me and they're going to continue to do so and anyway, so that was a big turning point for me. And so that weekend, some friends had called and were like, uh, hey, you want to come over and get drunk and smoke some pot? And I, so I just I said, sure. And um, I stayed over there uh, and just did stuff like that. You know, like that was for a while. That was kind of my lifestyle was just drinking and um, and, and smoking weed and, and going to school. And I ended up not... Uh, finishing high school I, I moved you know I was at Trinity High School and I ended up uh, dropping out of there a year early and um, I went to Wagner momentarily and then I went to a couple other schools but didn't really make it um, a handful of high schools yeah I went to a handful of every level schools yeah, yeah. there was not that's tough I would think I'm, I'm see I, I that's a perception thing from my end yeah. Uh, I was a kid who grew up and stayed in the exact same house. As a matter of fact, I still live in it. Yeah, I moved out for a while. I yeah. I'm not still living with mom and dad at 50. <laughs> yeah. uh, I come back and bought their house, but I stayed. I went to this, you know, every school for me. Yeah, I went the entirety from the beginning, and they're all walking distance from here. No, that's funny. You know, so that's just a, the difference. I, I, Yo, 100%. Interesting. Uh, I can't imagine. Uh, I, but I remember the kids who came knew. Yeah. You know, when the new kid came. And, and to now looking back at how difficult that I could see that I knew it back in my heart then that it was difficult sure. for them to try and and uh, fit in with this whole new crowd. You know, here they are. Sure. Poof, landed aliens, dropped them into school and now I've got to make friends. Yeah. And, and so the 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 school Lourdes, the the wealthier school was is just not the same type of friends. The, the loyalty is different. Like. Um, and I say that today, you know, and I hate that because, um, but like there is a type of loyal, like I, I, I don't know how to say it politely, but the fact is like it doesn't have the, to the be poorer polite. people that I know, uh, I would trust with more of my stuff. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I have, you know, for instance, I've got these gold coins that are worth five grand or something like that right and so i would trust a friend of mine that's poor that lives off dixie highway to come and watch my house when i'm not there and have no fear hmm. for one second he probably wouldn't know what they were if he found them but uh he wouldn't care if he found them does that make sense he'd be yeah. more scared that he misplaced them but some of my other friends that are uh that you know like a, one of my closest friends made 25 million dollars two years ago uh i would not trust him around it hmm. 
you know and uh yeah i understand i, I can't i don't i understand your uh difficulty in like placing that into words too about yeah. how that is it's just like when i work on poor people you know i've been doing construction for a long time when i work on poor people's houses they pay their tab and yeah. I don't know why that is, but I can tell you I've got a hundred million dollars worth of invoices that show it, you know, and so uh, it's uh, we can argue semantics. I don't care to argue semantics, but the, you know what I mean. So yeah. the, the, those are things that, that were hard for me. I was I had a very difficult time going into a new crowd of people that I felt like were very disloyal, were very dishonest, and were always trying to get ahead, and that yeah. that made me very uncomfortable there. And then moving from there over to Trinity, where uh, I really didn't know anybody from my childhood and uh, didn't have any family that was in any way supportive. And realistically, uh, the guys that I could affiliate with were those fast friends. I really had to, in my view, I needed to make a decision on whether it was going to just be this horrible experience, which at the time my home life had turned into parents drunk and unable to communicate after four o'clock. And, uh, you know, Till bed, till I go to sleep, and then I would get up at four o'clock, and I would leave because I couldn't fucking stay there anymore. Yeah. And so, uh, so I was sort of in this strange um, place of, do I go? You know, I, the best of two evils is the same. And so I was like, yeah, I'm. I don't give a shit. I'm not gonna, you know, watch my mom and sister argue. Have my uh, my family would be pretty uh, aggressive when they would get drunk. And uh, I got a lot bigger, you know, and so it was, I remember one time when I was kind of being beaten on grabbing a hand and saying, uh, you can't fucking hurt me, you know, like you better hope I don't get mad. And, uh, you know, and I wouldn't get mad at them for that. I knew it was some fucked up thing in their head from their, from their childhood, but um, it didn't, it didn't feel good being there. And so when I would, uh, you know, and I, I love my family, I, I would do and do do more for my family than I think most people who say they care a lot about their family do, and um, at least financially. Uh, or but yet time. Uh, today. What I'm hearing is that you, want, you really didn't want to be at home. I didn't want to be at home, and I didn't want so to I, be with fucked up people. And so uh, the only two options I could find were, you know, the other kids who didn't have anybody at home and being at home. Yeah. Does that, yeah, yeah. So, so that was it. Yeah, bug out and go hang out. We with used to friends. go for Christmas every year, and I know, and I, I hope my family doesn't listen to this because they probably don't know this. But we, for Christmas every year, would go and drive up to Paoli and walk around the snow slopes with several people. Most of them are dead now mm-hmm. um, from drug addiction. Yeah. Uh, but and we just called each other the family. Yeah. And other things uh, and just, you know, very close friends. And and Anthony and I became very close friends a little bit later on in that period of time. Um, so I didn't, you know, I found a job. I got a, a really good job when I was, you know, I get, so anyway, I drop out of um, high school. I, I take my GED exam. Mm-hmm. I do uh, really well on the ACT. Um, and then I did really well on an entrance exam to UofL. It was the only place I applied. Um, the GD sucked, but the ACT was, yeah. they let me come. And then I tested past half the classes and I was lucky enough to, uh, you know, start in calculus instead of starting, you know, I never, t- I never took pre-calculus or trig or any of the other shit, but I mean, it was pretty straightforward. I was pretty, I'm pretty good at that stuff. Gifted. 
Yeah, I'm very, I, I'm pretty good at that specifically, but uh, that type of analytics. Um, anyway, so uh, you know, I got, I got an MIW taken out against me, and uh, I went into, you know, downtown Louisville's uh, university hospital and um, a mental inquest warrant. And anyway, they um, they let me out. I had a bunch of issues revolving around chemical dependency at that time, uh, fighting uh, and drinking. They, but I'll tell you, they were all related to drugs and alcohol. There was I didn't have a single. I've never had any kind of criminal activity that's like not, you know. When I'm I was clean young, and sober, I'm just not doing that stuff. I just don't do anything <laughs> like that. Yeah, I mean, like, there's no way, you know, like, I. I had gotten picked up a black and mild and meant to buy it, bought my groceries and still had it. And I hadn't left the store, but they arrested me saying I was trying to steal and a cigar. I was like, man, I just spent 200 bucks. Can you guys like, I'll buy all your black and milds. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. You know, like, please don't waste my time. And, and you got arrested for that, huh? I did. Yeah. Wow. Because they were like, you tell us that you were trying to steal a blah, blah, blah. I was like, dude, I just bought $200 worth of groceries, man. Yeah. It's behind my ear. You could have just been like, hey, man. Yeah, was that a dollar? It wasn't. a Yeah, it could have been a dollar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's uh, interesting to get. So, But I had been drinking the night before, and so I was really hungover, and I was supposed to go see my grandmother. And so my grandmother was in town to see my dad. Anyway, long story short. Yeah. Uh, so... So that sort of stuff started happening. I had a some, you know, I was partying too much. I ended up in the hospital. And then when I came out of there, I got sober uh, when I was 20. And I got, um, which was, you know, 15 years ago now. Yeah. And um, I got a great job working for um, a medical device company. Um, they were going to be selling um early in recovery, I got a job and they, so they needed, um, one of the things you do during a merger deal is you find out how much your income looks like, you know, so that they can find out what your buyout price looks like. And, and so anyway, we ran a whole bunch of, we expedited a whole bunch of billing and which everybody does. And, and they were bought out. And so they paid me pretty well to get through that stuff. It was, um, and I went to undergrad. I got an undergrad degree in optical physics. Uh, I worked in nanophysics for a while, and then, um, um, I, and then the 2009. I, I actually got, um, I got, uh, I graduated in 2009, so it was a couple years behind, but it was still in, in the game, you yeah. know. And so 2009, the economy falls apart. I go to a job interview. With uh, so they we'd lose half our funding almost immediately. They pull all the funding from the projects that are not war related, any kind of grant money. That's anyway, which is we just all of our money went away, and so my job kind of became obsolete pretty quickly. Oh wow! And um, uh, so then I went and started looking for jobs. They had an in, you had a, they had an, there was an insurance company that would give you a job if you could go get your health and insurance license. So I I read a book and went and got my health and insurance license and went and worked. I, I go to this job interview and I'm wearing my nicest suit. You know what I mean? I've been working, being pretty well paid for a while. And so yeah. 
and there was a uh, standing room, maybe, you know, about, you know, let's say half this room, about half this room was, uh, so there was probably like a hundred people for this one shitty uh, insurance rep job. Um, in this space, standing, sitting, filling out their paperwork, filed out the, out the building. And, uh, and there was no work. There was no, there was no money. I mean, there was like, you know, I think uh, it was okay money. I mean, you know what I mean? I could yeah. hustled up and then we weren't really paying out our benefits and I was sober. And so like, it seemed like we were, you know what I mean? Kind of catching people and to me, it was below my ethical ba- boundary. Yeah. If that makes hearing, sense. Yeah. This is not sitting with my it did not make me feel comfortable. Yeah. I mean, I did well at sales, but uh, I just explained to them what they had told me. But it didn't seem the application seemed flawed in comparison to the description. So, so I it. gave that up, and we did some uh, medical device sales around, and and uh, and I and I was working with a pharmaceutical company that, uh, you know, I was. That, that sold uh, some very specific types of substances that people are very addicted to. And mm-hmm. um, I missed uh, work one day because I didn't feel good. And my boss was like, just take, because, and I know that people don't really, I mean, I don't know how it's done right now. I mean, the FDA has kicked up like a, a mug because of the opioid ec- epidemic, but they used to come in like, you know, Tussinex cough syrup used to come in a bottle, like that bottle of oil, you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. and then you disperse it yourself. You know, you guys, you get a manufacturer plant that, you know, puts it in other stuff or you take it to the pharmacy and you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, and so. Yeah, it used it, to be everywhere. Yeah, it doesn't come in the, you know, you get, you know, they don't come in little pharmaceutical bottles. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So uh, yeah, and there's machines that count pills, and there's all kinds of codes, and there's all kinds of lockdown around that stuff now. Once you get to pharmacy, yeah. yeah. Once you get to off the manufacturing, off the distribution, I mean, I think that the deregulation on that end of the game is potentially problematic. But we don't see gaping wounds in that side of the industry, so it's like it's kind of ironic that like the side where you can actually tap into a resource. Um, anyway just it's not the side that gets exploited right like the mm. side that gets exploited is the sick people who need a little bit of extra cash the other yeah. people are making so much money off insurance that yeah yep there's no need to tap into it well i think i was seven years sober and i went to my sponsor and i was like i need to um i'm sick i need you know what i mean i'm gonna uh actually uh, one of the things i had torn a tendon in my finger and i had torn a tendon in my ankle and so I was on rehab, uh, physical therapy, and uh, I would, I was allowed to take, they were prescribing me opiates for uh, those two things, which I loved. Yeah. Yeah, because they would give me whatever I wanted because I had been working with them and knew every doctor around for, you know, the East Coast. I mean, I probably had 6,000 doctors' phone numbers in my phone and, wow. and probably still have 3,500 or so. Um and so, so you could get all you wanted, basically. I get whatever I wanted. Yeah, just hit them up. Yeah, I mean, I it, it, I know that sounds terrible, but today, if today I wanted a prescription of anything I wanted that they prescribed fentanyl or something, I could just have them drop it in my pharmacy. Really? Uh, there's no question. Wow. And uh, uh, you know, and not to 
be prejudicial against the people I know. I mean, uh, the, uh, one of the things I've always thought was so confusing is that the social dynamic within doctors, you know, milieu is so astray, right? Like, so the doctors are held to such esteem financially and with their responsibility load that the, the nurses, they don't communicate well together. And so they're not, they never see anybody they can communicate with. There's nobody else at the hospital making 500 grand a year. You know what I mean? The only people they see on a regular basis making 400 plus a year are other reps or execs. You know, well, they're definitely not going to mess with the execs. They've got their own tax issues they're trying to <laughs> yeah. weasel through. And and so they might see a rep, you know. Hmm. And so that creates a very specific type of relationship where you guys can kind of like calm down together at the end of the day. Like it's both been, it's, you know been hustle and bustle and now you're both free and yeah so you were sober for a while and then you had this seven issue years, yeah. and decided. took the meds my boss was like just take whatever you want so i thought that meant i, I just took it, uh, whatever i wanted exactly what he told you to do take whatever you want okay and um so you had a sponsor? I did. Oh, did yeah. This? Did you talk I to him beforehand, sponsees. or did you just do this? I've got a sponsee now with 13 years that, when I came back, has just recently asked me to sponsor him again. Hmm. And um, I did not I did not have a problem with painkillers before I got prescribed for my hand hmm. and my foot. And so in my head, it was not. The same deal. I wasn't in as much jeopardy. You know what yeah. I mean? I hear, and, and honestly, at first, I don't think I was in that much jeopardy. I it was when they kept prescribing them because it's two things that I use all the time. Uh, you know, and so I'm always on my feet and I'm always using my hands. And there's no way really to mitigate that other than doing physical therapy and doing some pain management. And so. Uh, yeah. Well, how many times, you know, we're around here, you know, people, well, I don't have, I don't really have a problem with that. So I can do that. Oh, I hear that shit all the time. Yeah. And like, I'm like, you got to take it. I, I don't, like, my response to that every time is I don't know anybody in this room's sobriety date. But what I know is how they treat me when I get here. I know how they treat each other when I see them in an altercation. You know, and if if you can be the person that allows you to be, you know, doing God's will on a daily basis and you can be taking meds, I don't care. That's your business. You don't yeah. preach it to me. Yeah. Because my world is will crumble. And so that's what happened. It crumbled, fell to zero, well below zero, and um, got uh, got sober again. You know, I had been, it, it, and it's so hard because it's like you do good for so long, and you can see like that is, it's like the chemical dependency is like a huge motivator for my bad behavior, right? Like there's no. It, I mean, I don't know why I don't respond well. I just don't respond well. You give me a bunch of meds and, you know, my thinking is like, how am I going to get more of these instead of like, I mean, I could probably go to work, get enough money and stay high all the time, but I would rather quit my job, you know, hustle up a little bit of money and go broke that way and then yeah. grind around the bottom, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't know why. I mean, I can respect other people who have a different philosophy and are like able to go, but... Yeah, I it could just, never either. Um, uh, this is just not going to work for. And, I, and, and and my history proves it. Yeah, you know? so yeah. I mean, it's not like I. Well, you know, here's another famous last line, right? Uh, not this time. I, I can do. Yeah, it this I, can, I can handle it this time. I know, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> when they start talking about reservations, when you get it, you know, when you're in the book and, and and the question comes up of like, do I have any reservations? Like, 
that's why I keep going to meetings. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I know you're supposed to say no. I get that. Like, but shit, dude. Like, you're telling me, okay, so I hit the lottery. I got this place on the beach, you know, on my own island. Like, in what world am I being honest with you? Like, that's, like, it, it is one of the most motivating things in my life. It has always been or since, you know. Since I found this stuff worked for me. Yeah, since it made me feel good. And I didn't feel good, and I and I really wanted to feel good. Yep. It, since then, I have. Uh, and today things are great. I'll tell you. And uh, and most of my time is, de- you know, spent dealing with sponsees, and 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 we generally talk about what's going on with them, and you know how it is. And I try and encourage them to go do service work and get out of themselves and find ways of thinking about somebody else anyway so like i was at a test i had a test the other day and it's like in law school and um it's um it was very hard and i worked very hard to try and do well on it and i don't think i did well but i did okay i I hope right and um and i got done and it was just such a release of pressure um I mean, you know, again, it was just 30 or 40 pages of memorization on very specific types of rules associated with in-court behavior and then application on a 650, you know, uh, point uh, exam. And did I get all 650 points? You don't know. But did I, I mean, did I maybe get 570? Maybe, you know. And so I, I was so stressed out up until the time. And then when it was over, I was like, man, I'm sure all these people are going to get drunk. And I could, for the first time since I've been in school, I could completely respect where they were at. Hmm. And so I just got in my car and drove home, but yeah. uh, called my wife. Yeah. But I could respect it because, yep. like, it was a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like, if you was not an alcoholic, you was going to get drunk. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, I don't, I don't think it mattered. It was too much pressure. Right. Yeah. That come down, all that build up, you know, and, and there's, you know, I can respect that. You know, I mean, yeah. Shoot, I've done that a lot of times before it was, had its hooks in me that, you know, or. Yeah. If well, I was I drinking, I'd have done it before the exam. <laughs> That's what I would have figured out. Yeah. So, you know, I'm with you. So, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, I, uh, I tried to do the college thing, but I was drinking. And and I just couldn't I just couldn't do it. I yeah. just couldn't study. I just couldn't get to school. And I dude. just couldn't make the classes. And I just the two things just would not work for this dude. Dude, uh, so I have a semester left on my master's, my BA, and I started using and just did not care to finish it. Yeah, just you know, what am I going to use that for? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got to write a couple papers. Not going to have it. And so, so it, then I, you know, and I thought working at a bar sounded better. You know, it's better, better plan. Long term. I was thinking long term at the time. Yeah. That's a famous line. I have a plan. Yeah. Well, and not only that, like as soon as I got prescribed the meds for my stuff, I uh, like immediately uh, quit my job, you know, moved out of the place I was living, got out of the relationship I was in. Like I left uh to go to school or something and i was in a relationship with a good job and i came home got all my stuff and moved out before she got home and uh quit my job and you know i didn't drop out of school right away but uh but that was one afternoon 
Yeah, that's interesting. Yes, yeah, so you decided, okay, well, it's like a 180 right now. Boom, bang. Right, that's right. Um, when I decided I'm going to get fucked up on this instead of I'm going to take it as prescribed, it was like, like I'm going to for real get fucked up on this. And, yeah. Uh, that's interesting because I would do the hiding, you know. I would try to keep it undercover for a while, and that would be my MO would be to, yeah. to, to skirt it and don't let anybody know. Yeah, I totally get it. I mean, and... But yeah, you just throw the you just throw the penalty flag and yeah. <laughs> leave the field, yeah. man. I'm done. <laughs> it was too much. You can't fucking take it. I do. I quit. I've I've really been addressing that in my life. Like I I really have a hard time. That's if you want to talk about six and seven. Like right now, is you know six years sober. What am I looking at as far as my defects of character? One of my primary defects of character is I do not. I, I first of all, when you treat me poorly, I'm not going to treat you poorly. I will just treat you evenly right like i'll treat you the same like and be happy and nice to you and so you'll never know that i'm pissed off Hmm. and then i will eventually i'll be sick of being treated like that and then everybody's like well we don't even know there's a problem and i'm like yeah that's because you are the asshole (laughs) if i was the asshole i would be saying i don't know the problem like when i love it when people in recovery are like i don't have any bad relationship and it's like, bro, like you're the asshole in all those relationships. Like we all have fucked up. Re- that's why we came here is because yeah. we have fucked up relationships. Yeah. Like I've been having fucked up relationships since the day I was born. Like there, and I'm gonna have them till the day that I die. If I'm not willing to accept it and look at it, then, I mean, I don't have a single sponsee that's working the pro. All the sponsees that I have that I feel like are just one, you know, bad comment at work away from going back out and drinking are like they're they're fine with everybody and all the sponsees that are like growing and and thriving and trying they're like addressing their relationships when they have flaws and like it's hard it hurts your feelings it does yeah uh you know i've had a negative interaction with almost every one of my family members in the last month wow and i uh, well you know my my dad uh you know, it, it started over, and uh, and my sisters did not uh, interact well with me when that happened. Uh, we had a conference. I was in the middle of school, right? I'm reading a lot of work, and then on top of that, I'm trying. So we're back again. We had a little uh, thing, and I really don't even know what's on the tail end of this tape at the moment. But all of a sudden, I looked up, and my son was running towards the uh, the podcast studio here at the wood shop with big, big eyes, and uh, said there fire in the basement. So we got up. Uh, James and I got up and shot into the house and down in the basement, and it was full of smoke and uh, rubber burning smells. What I noticed right off the bat. And it looks like my old compressor in the basement, the belt hung up or something happened and it smoked that belt, but it sure, uh, no damage done to any extent, but it was uh, exciting for a minute, wasn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Appreciate your help. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people wouldn't run in there with you, you know? No, yeah. Uh, Be like, uh, yeah, rich people. (laughs) Yeah, there there (laughs) you go. Yeah. I will sit right here. So, uh, you know, and that's everything. I probably could have rewound the tape for a minute and see what we was talking about when we left, but I'm not so sure it matters a whole lot exactly where we were at. So you had, um, I know one thing when you had hit this wall and you you were I mean you were started you officially relapsed and, and oh, yeah, moved yeah. out 
got yeah. your girlfriend, went to your girlfriend's house and got all your stuff. And yeah. Yeah. And, uh, at that point my dad had been, uh, gone away and, um, he was going through some financial stuff. And so we helped to get all that situated. And then I moved in with another friend of mine and just sort of was off to the races. Um, I like to, uh, you know, one of the things that was helpful to me early on in my recovery, and, and I, I use a lot today, is the uh, the idea of uh, my last run, and mm-hmm. uh, more so than this dialogue, but more like from my view, like at the time, because when I'm new, I have a different perspective. And a lot of times, I still think a lot of the stuff that I was doing was uh, pretty, like, for a long time, I thought a lot of the stuff that I did that I found out today is really was doing a lot of damage to people I care about. I thought that it was actually uh, being a, a caring family member and friend. And um, anyway, so uh, I just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but I, uh, when I, when I write down my last run, uh, there's always a place in there where uh, I started and it wasn't a problem. And then there's a place where, everyone else noticed that there was a problem. And then there's a place where I noticed there was a problem. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of damage is usually done for me, uh, in my life. And I don't know if everybody's different and I don't ever try and impress my experience on other people just to share it and hope that maybe somebody who needs to hear it will hear it when they are supposed to. And in whatever way we cross paths, that's the way that it's supposed to happen in God's world instead of my world. Right. And, right. Um, but a lot of damage for me always gets done between, uh, where they start to notice and where I finally notice and am willing to say. And so that's something I like to go over with my sponsees. And um, I've been looking at that a lot recently. Uh, the, I think what we were talking about before we left was the idea on six and seven about giving up my, uh, my relationships real easy, because that is something that has been a little bit difficult for me. So Anyway, I was getting into the weeds a little bit about the uh, situation with my family. Anyway, I've had dis- I haven't communicated well, which I know is like that. Some of them are in recovery and actively working a program, and some of them are actively using, and and some of them are you know not in the program and um, not using, and so it's it's funny. But I've had a lot of disconnects, and so uh, I kind of set like a, a baseline expectation, which I know is a bad idea, but in my family where I really don't feel like I can leave as easily as other relationships, I kind of have to lay out all on the line that like, this is where I need you to be. Like if I'm going to be here and be fully supporting your decisions and you and, and getting behind all these people that you bring in and out of my life and your social interaction decisions and other things, and I'm going to help with my time and my money and, and my life and my wife's life, then, um, anyway, those were not adhered to, uh, the, and that feels like disloyalty. It, it does not feel like what I have grown to expect out of friends socially or family or loved ones or anything like that. And so, like I said, I, I'm not, uh, I don't do a good job of showing you when you're fucking me over. Like I just take it on the chin and I keep moving and I hope that you're going to learn and, and, and come back and be like, this is, you know, I was fucked up a couple of days ago and like, this is where I want to be and what I meant, but this happened. And, um, 
and I don't mind if they don't. If, but if they do, that's great because that builds a relationship. Like that's right, to yeah. me, that's the 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 whole epitome of growing together. Like we both have to be growing for us to be growing together. Like yeah, it's not that's that's growing together, you know. And uh, well, that's what we find. Like you used to talk about fast friends and that kind of thing. And even today, you yeah. Know, I mean. Uh, I found myself on this growth trajectory, and I desire that today. That's what I feel oh, myself. That's my substitute today, and uh, and frankly, if that's not in yours, I mean, it's not. It doesn't mean that we can't be friends or anything like that. But it probably means we're probably not going to be close friends. Sure, because it's because you just it's like running a race and or you know or jogging on a 100%. track or whatever. And if one person is not keeping up. Right, then and then you have these, the hardest part about that for me is that there's these ethical lines that I am unwilling to cross, you know, and like, uh, and I'll, I'll share an experience. I was I was in a business deal with somebody in the program that was one of my dad's sponsees, and he had and I were going to do a renovation project, and I've been running a really uh, substantial renovation company for a while at the time. We were doing this as a side project. He found the project. Another guy who's in the program calls and says, "Hey, I want to cut dude out." Um, so let's just, you know, he's not bringing anything to the table. Let's just cut him out of the equation and do it ourselves. And I was like, no, nah, you, you got the wrong guy. You know, uh, maybe you should, uh, next deal. You know what I mean? When this deal's done, maybe on the next deal you can get in. And, and so then, uh, so then he calls the other dude and didn't tell me and they ran this whole shit and like told everybody I was crazy and like did this thing. And then it turned out that he was. Uh, that they had done this deal behind my back. And like, that was just like, cause to me, I was just having a difficult time communicating because like when I'm fucking you and I know it and you don't know it, I don't communicate with you the same. Yeah. And then, it, and then you might be like, why is he being an asshole all the time? You know, like, and I'm thinking, Oh, we're good. I'm getting over on him, you know? And so it made this whole dynamic fucked up where my uh, dad and a couple other guys in recovery were like, you know, talking shit, you know, and like, uh, so I would, I was given, you know, a lot of people in recovery jobs, you know, um, we had a, a policy of giving a hundred felons a year a job, you know, in addition to a ton of other people and in, in building other people's careers, we were trying to give them the tools they needed and set them up for success and move them in the right direction. That didn't turn out to be a successful venture, but it was a good idea. And yeah. I think that with a little fine tuning, it could get there either way. We had access to a whole bunch of opportunity you know and we had made a whole bunch of financial growth but i was not willing to cheat this guy even though he really wasn't bringing very much to the table he wasn't bringing anything to the table yeah. i was showing him what we were doing we were going to bring him into the game and like i like it when my friends make money i like to i don't want to be the only fucker sitting at a table eating dinner you know what i mean i want to have some people with me yeah where we can go get a steak and chill out you know Life's hard and I don't get to, I'm not drinking and I don't do drugs and those are my best coping mechanisms. So in order for me to socialize, I got to feel like there's a dinner plan or something or this or a podcast, something that you care about or I care about or we're breaking bread together. And um, so anyway, after the, the long and the short of it is, is dudes in prison now, one of the dudes for robbing another company that is a girl in the program's dad's company that she hooked him up with on some other bullshit, right? And the other dude is looks like he's dying. And, and one of the other guys just got out of rehab. And I'm like, you guys could have just not fucked anybody over. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. got you're broke is a joke. You know, you made it nowhere. You made it to your wife's living off your dad and like nothing, you know, and that is who I am. 
when I drink. Yeah. I'm nothing. I have nothing. And and it's sad for me to see myself in them. And it's sad to know that I've been that person. I'm capable of doing it today. Um, that's why I keep going to meetings. That's why I keep reading this shit. Yep. That's it. Just but I didn't, like before I said, I you know, I found out that I can't do it any other way. Yeah. I am incapable yeah, of, so I just of operating it. some other way. You know, that all the other ways have failed for me. Man. So this is working really good. You know, so I'm going to keep doing this. Man. So, it, yeah, I mean, and, and so one of the biggest defects that I'm having right now is, is that I want to abandon relationships. And so I just when everybody called to say, what are we doing for Christmas? I told uh my whole family that uh, we're not, I don't include, you know, you need to take me off the text stream. Hmm. I'm not interested. And, uh, and you know, I could get into the ins and outs of why that is, but it really feels like I, you know, you get to feeling sometimes for me, like you're, you know, you like, like you had an opportunity here to, to be a kind of a crutch for me to learning how to do this, right? This podcast, which I'm very, I appreciate, you know, and that's why I come and I try to be honest and bring what I can. And hopefully it's helpful. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to repay the favor in another way in the future. Um, but, you know, uh, other times when people need help, like if I came over here and then, you know, on my podcast, I'm like, man, I learned all this shit on my own fuck everybody who says that they helped you know yeah uh yeah or whatever i mean and it's like huh like it really hit you know and so then so in recovery i've had a, I've, I've had a difficult time with that and right now i'm having some social issues because of uh and, and we'll get back to back to earlier on and then sort of roll back into this if that's fair but the the you know right now for me specifically i, I i'm at work where i like uh, you know, I, I got offered a job in Houston for uh, nine seventy five a year, right? Which is a big deal, big check for people around here, and especially in their early thirties, right? And um, it, and I, you know, I don't know if that should probably be edited out, but the fact is, I was good at it. I was good at it, you know, and uh, and the, and people respected that. And then I go to school. You know, my wife wants to stay here. We decide we're going to stay here and build a family. And I don't get those same opportunities here. You know, the company I was working with was moving. It's, I might be able, but I mean, I can compete with that number, but I got to do it independently. You know, I got to like, I got to make my own world if I do that, which is really hard. It's really great in my home life because my wife gets to be near her family and I do too. And, and, uh, so we got a very, we got blessed with an opportunity to go back for me to go back to school, which is something I wanted to do since I was a kid and, So that's why I'm in law school now. And, and so, but I'd like, uh, one of the stories that I always love is I would, when I first got sober um, in 2013, I was working at Radio Shack for four seventy five an hour in Indiana, uh, in Corden, right? Yeah. Okay. At the Radio Shack at the Walmart, right off the highway. So it's like, uh, you know, and the guy that I'm living with just got out of 28 years in on a big meth bust, you know? And so it's like, and I'm just now sober. Can't make any money. I haven't worked. I'm unemployable for years and, uh, you know, with the the exception of a few here or there things or a little bit of credentials that sort of carried on from before where we get residual on some stuff that we sold. Um, it was horrible. And, uh, and I was living in my mom, my mom lived on the same farm. We were all living there together, just 
crazy and um i started dating my wife which i'm so lucky to have my favorite person in the world and I moved in with her and we had a very rocky start. Actually, I started drinking again. You know, I tried to get sober. I started drinking again and uh, she drank. We just met and then we ended up getting sober together. We actually it's funny because I say May 28th. We started drinking on Thunder and woke up May 28th. I got sober. She got sober on the 29th. It wasn't like. uh, I mean, I have no fucking clue. We didn't sleep. We had a couple days. I mean, you know what I mean? Here and there. It wasn't like a, we was just, you know, going like now I know what day it is, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, that's like a, like a month. Yeah. I, I used to wake up with the bottle, you know what I mean? And like, just fuck it. I'm going to go get another bottle. I'm going to drive through the drive through and go on to the, my buddy's house lived over in Rangeland Projects. And so I would ride over there, drink all day and play video games and then head on back <laughs> when my wife got done and. Uh, but then uh, I finally got a gig, man. And, uh, I, I, you know, for $10 an hour, they let me cut grass all week on a, on a riding mower out in Prospect. Uh, and I had to drive about an hour and a half to get there, hour and 20 minutes to get there. And, uh, and uh, I got a car, got out there. Actually, uh, I, all I had at the time was a motorcycle that I had kept from before. And uh, I did a lot of riding on that. And then I finally got a little Honda and then um, was commuting back and forth. It was so cold on the fucking bike. I mean, it was a lot colder than it is tonight. And I'd be riding that fucking bike. (laughs) It sucked. Yeah. You know, but it was, uh, I was still good, you know. And um, anyway, so I I got a job at at, at Prospect Lawn Care with a guy in the program. And it was a blessing. Uh, You you know, you could have told me I hit the lottery. Because I was so broken and I finally had a shot, you know, and and I worked there and I lo- I, I loved it. I'm not even going to lie. I got to get guys that early in recovery on there and I loved it. And um, this is in 13 since you you're after you your current sobriety date. Yeah, my current sobriety date. It was the first so job you, I got. Uh-huh. And then the pigeons roost. We went there too. we went there at least uh, once a day. But most of the time, uh, I would try and go to two if I could get there, you know. And I would, so every day I would go at night. We would go to the night meeting. If there was two meetings, we go to two night meetings. And then on Fridays we would mop the floors. And then they got a new Cub Cadet out at the Pigeons Roost when Debbie Messina was working out there as the president or whatever. And then um, and I would cut their grass for free. And so and there was a lot of grass out at the roost, you know. But it was right by my house, and so. Uh, one day a week I would cut their grass for free and then I would cut a couple friends and family stuff for free and I would drive out and I would ride around these big Dale Roman horse farms and, uh, big farms, big farms. And, uh, I mean, you know, the mile tracks we cut the inside and then we cut the outside and you know what I mean? It's just a lot of mowing, man. You were just, and, and, uh. There were just fields, and, and Ryan was amazing. I, you know, we, and I don't know what the fuck I was supposed to be cutting half the time. You know what I mean? He was like, he was really, he was much better at it than I was. And he had great clients. And uh, I, cher- I, I, I cherished that relationship. Uh, and I, you know, he started to unwind a little bit. And, um, and we, uh, we were doing, 
some work for some guys that own uh, um, a hospital in town and, and some other stuff. And uh, and they were not they were partying a lot. And um, anyway, so I loved it, though. And finally, one day I couldn't take anymore. He would call, he would talk so crazy. Like, I'm not like, OK, so there's a couple things. And, and I love using this this experience as spiritual growth because it was so packed with spiritual growth for me. Right. Like so. Uh, the first thing that I always like to recognize is that it was a really long drive and I was completely psyched to do it because I was not too good to be driving out there. It was better than what I deserved. Right. Yeah. And um, and I got OK. So like when I was working on my it's so the winter came up, you know what I mean? Summer ended and winter got there, May and I, I mowed through the summer and then I got to winter and all this snow came down and everybody needed salt. Nobody had salt. and We were plowing. And so these trucks would come in with these 60 pound bags of salt on these uh pallets and i would unload them by myself and just be fucking pissed off about these because everybody's trying to hoard the salt you know what i mean because yeah. you got all the work based on the salt and i was like god please make these bags of salt lighter and so then the next truck comes in and it's 80 pound bags of salt <laughs> <laughs> so i got to unload a whole truck full of 80 pound bags of salt the next truck comes in at 60 pound bags of salt it was lighter i swear to god i was happy to have them you know? <laughs> And they talk, yeah, I'll make them lighter, but first I'm going to make them heavier. Yeah, they feel a lot lighter now, don't they? I know. I could use that experience in a million ways in my life about coming to the challenge and learning to carry the amount of weight that you're carrying and then going back is okay. You know, yeah, like, yeah. And that's that's the best part of life is that we all get to do that. We get to grow to a point, And then when we feel like we're maxed out, once that gets comfortable back here, we can grow out to another point and yep. just keep growing and growing. And that's why I continue to get back into my defective relationships with other people. But, uh, so, uh, I, you know, I get, um, yeah, you know, one of the, the, so I've been working for Ryan for a couple of years. I loved it. You know, one of the stories that I always think is important for me in step three, and this is something that I share with my sponsees and I don't know that this is preachy or not. I don't mean it to be. It's, uh, you know, I was having a barbecue and I was giving out hot dogs and I gave somebody a dog and they went and ate it and they came back and they were like, hey, can I get a hamburger? And what I hear is, fuck you, your dogs suck. You yeah. know, like I want a hamburger, you know. And so I'm like, fuck you, man. You know, you can leave. You know what I'm saying? I'm giving out the fucking <laughs> What do you face. mean hamburger? Yeah, this is my hot dogs, you know. And uh, but that's how I took everything. And I was actually using that thinking to govern my life, to make my decisions. That was the type of thinking that I had. That was my best thinking. And, and it didn't get me anywhere. And it, and I couldn't figure out why. And I really wasn't trying to be mean to nobody. And most of the time I had a good motive in there. And Even though our motives were good. Yeah, 100%. So, um, so I that's, like that, yeah. I mean, and we do. I mean, I can find myself operating like that today. Dude, you know, uh, I do. Another, so I get done. You know, I'll tell you one. I'll, I'll explain how the same thing is. I have a lot of friends that listen to this podcast. Yeah. They will compliment the shit out of my guests. Oh. Great. I really like listening to James, man. He has a good but stuff. But they never like really say shit about you. Oh, my God. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you showing me how to do this shit, man. You know, I, my ego needs a little love, too, every once yeah. in a while. And, that, and that's not exactly true, either, because there are the ones that say that, too. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, I it's not. The, it's the, not what you a, yeah, but yeah. Yeah. No, I, oh, I'm with you. I totally get it. This whole perception thing this deal where it just i don't know things just don't seem to you know 
yeah. I have to work at looking at things that the way that the way they really are. You know, for some reason, my my first guess is that that somebody's out to get me. I was doing something not too long ago, and I learned some things, and this is, was new work to me too. Uh, I do this mankind thing, yeah, mankind project, mankind, yeah, yeah. And uh, and we had a thing where we was talking about the drama triangle about how we, and and it, and it just hit me like I felt it, you know, bam, yeah. And uh, you know, I'm either the victim. Mm-hmm. The prosecutor or the rescuer. Uh oh. You know, I'm in here with my cape 100%. on, going to save you. And then when you won't let me save you, well, you're a fucking asshole. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then you know, and then I'm over here on the victim pile because nobody likes it. You know, nobody likes me. And, yeah. and I just jump from those three bases. It seems like unless I'm working this program and keeping my awareness up, and asking God to direct no, me, uh, I'm, I tend to be operating in pretty dysfunctional ways most of the time. Without this, without like third party intervention, I'm. Uh, no, I am 100%. not a healthy person. Yeah, I I completely agree. I, I mean, the idea that there is a power greater than me is like the most foreign concept, right? Like I need to be making these decisions. This yeah. is how we're going to get through it. Yeah. Rest, satisfaction, and happiness if I only manage well. That's right. That's the only way I can get there. And I believed it. And I, and I wasn't doing it out of malice. And that's why I can't be mad at people today when they do things that are shitty to me. I just try and give them an opportunity to grow. Because what am I going to do? If I piss them off, then that opportunity to grow is how to deal with some asshole who yeah, just talk, right. talk yeah. shit to them. Not how do they learn how to be a nicer friend or why don't they have friends and people they can socialize with. And like you, they might miss that whole opportunity to realize like, uh, okay, maybe I don't have a job because I wouldn't be a good fucking employee. Maybe I, I don't have a wife because, you know, because I, I'm not ready, you know, and this is and I need to find out what I need to do to get ready or not. Yeah. Or, 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 but don't bitch about it. Either start working on it or don't. You know what I mean? Like it's be happy with it or, or work on it. Serenity prayer. That's right. That, right. That's right. And I've, I've been having difficulty with the serenity prayer. And this is really getting deep into my own recovery. But, uh, the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, right? Like the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. I really like those because those are empowering. But yeah. the serenity to, you know, the, the things I cannot change to accept yeah. the things I hold can't Hold on change. a minute. Yeah, hold up a second, Just motherfucker. exactly what, what you tool am I using? <laughs> I'll figure out how to change yeah. that. You know what I'm saying? That's like giving away. And then the other two are like persevering. And it's like, I really, because I say that prayer every morning. Like when I get up, I, I say a prayer first thing. And then I take time to meditate and then I go take a shower and then I eat breakfast and then I do a little bit of reading. And then usually that's about five o'clock in the morning, five thirty, you know, and then I'll sort of get a plan of action for my day and start to work towards it. And that's all I do. And then if I don't feel good uh, at some point in my day, then I will will stop moving forward and I will try and not do anything fucked up until I can get a hold of some people that are going to hold me accountable and just hear what they think I'm doing wrong. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't call them because I want them to bullshit me. Right. Yep. I call them because I need you to be honest with me. Right. And if you, if people want to call, like Anthony knows this, you know, if you're looking for somebody to, you know, jerk you off, you're talking to the wrong guy. Like, I'm going to be fucking mean to you and we're going to get to the bottom of it and we're going to move on and it's going to, it's going to feel like shit today. And that's how I stay sober. And that's how the people around me seem to stay sober. And maybe that's fucked up perspective. Maybe it's because I went to the pigeon's roost and they just treat you like shit sometimes. No, I need people to be, I need my recovery brothers to do that with me. Yeah. Because it does me no good for you to just coddle me and to tell me it's going to be okay and that kind of stuff. And yeah, you know, I mean, we love each other. We do this in love and understanding and, you know, that kind of thing, comfort. 
but the other the other side of that is, you know, I've had a I've had a place in my life lately where you know had some guys that were uh, um, telling me what I wanted to hear. You know? Yeah, and when I when I realized it, I actually got my hackles up a little bit. I'm like, that's not what I need. Right. <laughs> Hold on a minute. You know? and I appreciate the sentiment because I know that you all were doing that nothing but love for me too. So don't, you know, I also don't want to push them away because they're yeah. my most valuable buddies. But I need, uh, I need, 100%. I need the truth, and I need to know what's up in that department. Not, uh, and that's what I do when I'm managing, right? Like, and so then I be putting people back in check. Like, hey, are you managing me? Like, you know what I'm saying? Are you yeah. making me feel okay with the fucking that I'm fucking shit up and you're fixing it or like whatever? Yeah. Like, cause I need love. I need like I need you to be like, yo, get your head out your ass, get back in the game. Like when I'm taking my tests and I'm scared. I need to be get your chin up and get your ass in the game. You know what I mean? Read the book. If you want to do better, read it again. If you want to do good, figure out what the fuck it's saying. You know, and uh, because I lose track of that. I think it's like this. I gotta like learn the way they're gonna ask the questions or something. It's like, nah, man. You gotta. I gotta just do a good job. Yeah. Which was one of the biggest things early on in recovery was I. I really had to come to grips with the fact that I had never tried to do a good job. And anything I'd ever tried before, I had tried to do the very bare minimum and I expected the best result for my whole life. And and it was a really big growing point for me to realize that I am allowed to try hard and fail and not be mean to myself and not be mean to anybody else and let them try hard and fail and not be mean to anybody at all. Just try and love them and understand my wife pursued a brand new career when we first got sober and it was a struggle because I paid the tab and we had a lot of residue from our history. Mm-hmm. So she didn't make very much money the first year. And so I took another job. I got, I left that job I loved and I went to another job making, you know, 13 bucks an hour, but it was, uh, it was six, I think it was six fourteens, uh, with no heat or no cold, uh, big factory and, and welding and just, metal fabrication and mandatory 614s and uh, sometimes it was 616s i mean fuck man you know and i would get done and so i could only make it to the eight o'clock roost uh, meeting um but i could save up a little money you know i learned that that was that's the biggest lesson i've ever learned in my life is that uh i may not be able to make uh you know a million dollars an hour but i can make you know a a, you know million one dollars an hour (laughs) you know i can definitely put a thousand ten dollars an hour is in yeah and i can work as many of those as i fucking have to and people will pay me less like if i if i can't find hours and i'm looking around i can say i'll work for x amount of dollars and if they say the no then i can say well just take another dollar off and like let's find the number that makes it valuable to you because i'm ready to work and and now that's not exactly good with the labor laws but uh how i had to find work i had to pay my fucking bills man i had to pay yep. school back i had to pay all my taxes that were backdated i my wife's yeah well, people come around you know and they like to get these jobs you know they won't be employed and uh and they won't take a job because they feel like it's below them yeah, motherfuckers are crazy yeah, bro yeah. like be like, for man, real yeah, for a there's second this, dude. No, you know, i just can't, i always call them spiritual axioms because i really don't know what else to call them because but they're like gravity right yeah and it's easier just flat out there's no ask anybody knows anything it's easier to get a job when you got a job. 
Oh, 100%. Uh, there's no <laughs> so question. Go yeah. take that job. You're not going to wait for the one. Uh-huh. Look, now so, that's just logic. Don't bring logic but, into recovery yeah, now. Yeah, Hold yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> go, Come on. And, and, and then, you know, but they. That's sound reasoning. That's a great idea. Yeah. And, but those yeah. are the kind of fundamental ideas I talk to my sponsees about. And they're like mind blown. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. they uh, think that you're, yeah. You, man, yeah. Killed it. <laughs> like, no, I mean, but there I, is a lot of that stuff, you know, and, and it is. And, and the problem with me is because just five years ago, yeah. I was on the flip, I was on the flip side of that. We're not that made any sense to me. You know, I'm like, well, what do you mean? I'm in, I'm special. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I don't have to do it that way. Man. Uh, I had a guy sit here the other day and he said, uh, we, you, you hear around here saying that everybody thinks they're unique and they are. They're yeah. actually, everybody is unique. He said, but what everybody is not is special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Well, it's, that's where I got. That's when I got sober, I was so sick. You know, I was 120 pounds. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I'm 250 right now. Um, but I was, uh, uh, you know, a buck 20. And when I, and my liver was failing and my mm. kidneys were failing and I was, I hadn't used the bathroom in, uh, 40 days or something like that, 30, 30 plus days. And so I had to go to the hospital and, um, and I was really trying to come off, you know, of any kind of chemical dependency stuff and using, uh, medically assisted. Right. And I weaned off of that and really drank myself off of it to be honest with hmm. you and i know that i never recommend that and i could never recommend that but that is, realistically is one of the things that i used was alcohol to come off of other medicines uh, other opiates um which you know most of my friends died or went to prison so it was lonely at first, you know, and I was in a really, you know, from somebody who had been talking to everybody, I, when I got clean, I mean, it was like, you know, like lamp was gone. I don't know if you know anything about his story. He was gone. Everybody was gone, you know, and, uh, my wife was like, man, you seem to know all these people, but like, you don't have anybody to call. I'm like, yeah, they all just left. They're all gone. And, uh, she's my she's my people she's my she rides it's my favorite person in the world so but fortunate um, anyway yeah i i uh it was just it was time consuming so i i took that i took that job uh working all the time for ten dollars an hour well, it might have been twelve dollars it, it doesn't matter what it was it was something for 16 something. hours six six a lot 14. of work yeah that's what they had. Hours. They had a lot of work. They were charging an immense amount and they were paying us next to nothing because we had a specific type of background that didn't allow them to give us uh, opportunities or yeah. we didn't, we weren't afforded the normal opportunities. Ultimately because they could. Yes, that's right. And uh, which it, later I gave a lot of people jobs to overcome that obstacle. You know, a couple hundred people specifically that were felons, I gave them uh, jobs paying much better than I could find yeah and um and and got them tools got them set up in the right track some of them are doing great and they have big businesses and I you know what I mean I'm not going to get into who they are but the uh they were awesome and um some of them really struggled and and some of them died and that's just part of the game I mean you just keep playing and we got them out of you know when they would go to recovery houses specific ones take felons when they leave the prisons in town and 
the those guys are very close near and dear some of the guys who own those houses and so um known them for a very long time and yeah uh so we would get them we would get them up on their feet get them rocking and rolling i i ended up leaving that job finally when my wife started making money as a real estate agent she started to kind of truck a little bit and so i left there and was like i'm gonna start doing lawn care on my own because the only two skills i had was metal fab and lawn care and i really can't sell metal fab unless you're making money like that's that's what it is like you know what i mean if you're making money on on woodworking that's that's when you can make more money on woodworking but until you're making money on woodworking you can't make more money but the metal fab is same exact thing right like when in the same same thinking right uh, so I took a job for an old friend who just got out of prison, had started working with a bank, resulting from a big company that his, his granddad used to own. Uh, and they uh, they got a uh, contract with a uh, company that made, uh, I think they made $100 billion or something last year. It was one of the largest uh, netting companies in the country last year. Wow. And... Um, we ran about 30 million at a time, uh, about every three months or something we'd push through about 30 million. And, uh, which to Louisville's little economy, that's a lot of money. And to me just coming out of crazy, it's a shit ton of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah. To be like, have a credit card where you can just go and fucking swipe whatever the fuck you want. Like we, we were the number one uh, purchaser at Lowe's and they gave us two t-shirts and my wife wears them to sleep in because they're extra large. But when I washed them, they shrank down into like these tiny little t-shirts. Yeah. And I'm like, we spent like a hundred million dollars with you guys in the last six months and you guys are sending us this bullshit. Oh my God. Like give us a dinner. Send us over a dinner or something. Like give us a deal. Give us another percent off on this shit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, actually, I went and did a, a landscaping job for a guy that was a friend, and, and uh, I got done with the landscaping job, and there were a couple guys with me, and I kind of ran them around, but they were real close friends, ironically, who were just trying to help me get on my feet, and he was like, man, I saw that you were taking care of that business, and uh, we needed this spot filled, and it was like the top spot, ironically, it wasn't the middle spot, and he was like... Uh, can you run this many guys? You know what I mean? We've got like, uh, I think we had like 50 guys or something when I started who all had an independent team. Uh, we got up to around 88 guys with independent teams. Um, so, you know, I mean that you can expound that out. Some of the guys had four or five guys on a team and some of them were a little bigger, but generally speaking, they were allowed to get their own trucks, their own names and start their own LLCs. And we would push them through our projects. Uh, they could have all of our projects and we would push them onto next projects. Uh, if they were in recovery and if they were felons and, uh, and, and we would give other people in recovery opportunities too. And this stuff was three years ago. And so wow. everybody's fucking forgotten about it. Now, you know how this program is. Anybody who's on top is just talking shit about everybody else. And then everybody on the bottom has not been here long enough. And, uh, so, uh, and it was all construction related stuff. Is oh yeah. Right? Fuck yeah. It was all, uh, plumbing. So my philosophy was, was it renovations or was it? Yeah, new? it was all residential renovation. I, there was a couple, I mean, I think we did like, uh, Flanagan's or something like that. We did some other projects like that. Uh, a couple places in the mall. Um, I mean, I don't fucking know. We did yeah, hey, right. just, yeah, just a gist of it. I was just curious. Just an immense amount. Of, so I'm yeah. running around being a handyman now, you know, and one no, man awesome. show and, well, uh, go fix somebody's toilet or go fix somebody's yeah, leaky yeah. faucet or that's a great gig, you know, and just, well, running one man show, a, man. Oh, my own shit. deal. You want to, I mean, 
And I hate to say this, but I might be able to get you a little gig not too far from here. <laughs> on uh, Buttontown? But uh, no, Gut Gun Gut Gufford Road. Gutford Road. Gutford yeah. Road. At the yeah, end, if you have right any down interest. The road. It's just floor joists and shit like that. I can show you what to do if you don't. I mean, really. Um, yeah, I'm staying pretty good and busy. Dad was a home inspector, and I've been oh, following along him all my life. Uh, he was in construction, and he did a whole that's bunch awesome. of other different things and taught me how to fix stuff. So when I was a little kid and we go to so-and-so's house to fix a washer machine or to whatever, you know, hell, might be a room addition on this thing, or it might be, and Dad had other buddies, and I was an engineer for 28 years and got laid off in March. Yeah, and, uh, where? At Boat Power. It was Henry oh, Boat yeah. Machine Company a long time ago, and... Uh, and actually, it's a blessing. It was something that just wasn't suiting me anymore at all, you know, which wasn't just wasn't working for me, you know. But that security of that paycheck and insurance and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I have yeah, my so arms mother, around it. Yeah. You couldn't rip me off of it. Uh, God did. He yeah. said, okay, enough. And uh, and it pulled me off of that. And uh, and so I've, since then, I've been doing this handyman gig and making wood out here since then. Well, I think that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And I feel at home now. That's you know, right. I got and, time to do this podcast. I got time to run those kids around where they need to be. I'm not under anybody else's deal. You know, I'm not on somebody else's when telling me when to show up and when to go home. And so, I'm, well, that I'm same thing, it. that same exact thing is exactly yeah. what we did. And we just had a bunch of the work. Does that make sense? Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. If you have a way to get those leads and get to, and get into where the work is, that's the bigger yeah. thing is to so get, we, get that to happen. And so, yeah, you could, you they could owned a bunch of banks, right? And so a couple of years ago, and this is right when the economy started to reboom and we pushed out all, like the majority of the renovation houses. And so whether people want to negotiate that or not, everybody knew who the big dick in town was. I mean, it just is what it is. I mean, if you were in the renovation, we just saw each other. If you yeah. were in the renovation game and we didn't fucking know each other, then you weren't in the renovation game. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I was very generous. We gave every single fucking person that came in front of me and said, I need work, work. And uh, so. That's great, man. I mean, well, I know. So what we used was, and, and this, and I'm not going to get in the weeds about this, but there was a couple banks around the country that were using a whole bunch of funds uh, for older people to store their money. And they were doing diversifying their portfolios and allowing them to get, you know, large volume portfolios so they could get distressed portfolios. And they would do portfolio dumps in specific areas through a big company. And uh, we just had ties with that big company socially. And so we could see all of the, essentially all of the uh, foreclosures prior to them getting to the bank to go through foreclosure. Mm. So then we know what the buyout number looks like. I mean, and there's just opportunity there, you know, and they would just be honest with us, candid, and they would, you know, we would be honest with them about where we were at. And they, they, they'd sell off those portfolios as best they can, right, to try and recoup the money that they've got dumped into them. Yeah. And so... Um, that was it. I mean, that's all we fucking did. We did that as much of the fucking that shit as we could. We did other, there was other projects going on. We had just rocking and rolling. And that, that, when I say that about the renovations, it makes me feel like my ego is huge, but I, we were just working all the fucking time, you know, two felt two cell phones ringing just straight through, you know what I mean? And just, Hey, you know what I mean? And if yeah. I know the number, if it goes to voicemail, just leave me a voicemail. And the funny thing is, is I've got an opportunity now that looks like a, $10 billion portfolio in the same sort of facet, right? Wow. And in Louisville, you know, or potentially in Louisville. I mean, it's right now it's based out of, uh, it's an international portfolio. And so uh, I have not done anything mean to any of those people. I've treated them all very nice, even regardless in the same fashion, right? And, you know, winter is coming, you know, and I hate to be like that. You know, I will treat them with love and kindness and I hope that they're treat me, you know, 
with respect, but the ones who are shitty, the ones who got their, you know, heads real big, and you know, like some people I gave them fucking their first 70 fucking flooring jobs and they treat talk down to me. You know what I mean all the time because I'm not hustling right now. I'm working in a different field, you know. And uh and it's about to come you know, the piper will be paid, you know, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And I hate to be like that. And I don't really know how else to handle it, you know, but mm -hmm. if the opportunity arises, I'm going to seize it, especially if I get to stay, I get to finish my degree and my wife gets everything that she wanted. Then, uh, there's no, it's what I love to do is grow. Um, so, so then I'm really torn, right? Like then I need to really sit down with my sponsor and I need, cause like one of my sponsees runs, a uh, or, you know, runs operations on, a for like a big uh, auto industry plant. He's very successful. He does a very good job. And like, we talk about that stuff and I talk to my sponsor about stuff. And like, that's sort of how it goes a lot of times. Like, Hey, you know, I'm getting shit on while I'm the little guy, you know, and I know it's not for long, you know? And uh, because God has provided for me, like I was, I left a charity thing today. We were at Make-A-Wish last night. I will continue to do, be of service to the people around me as best as I can. And I will never stop. And I believe that we are get, given opportunities to become successful in different ways in order to give back to the people around us. And so we will continue to give. Yep. Like, um, you know. Yep. And when you're doing that, when you're on that path of service and stuff, those other things work out for you somehow. Yeah, right. I don't understand how that's no them spiritual axiom kind of things that, uh, you know, I don't know. But when I'm doing this, all the rest I don't have to worry about. You know, it seems to, to have a lot of extra money. No. You know, I don't but, have a lot of extra money no matter but, what the fuck I do. Yeah, but I, it doesn't matter. Yeah. When I had that, that comfortable job sitting in an engineer yeah. chair, I was making quite a bit of money. Yeah. But, I know it's same same thing. So now yeah. I'm here and I and I'm making it and I'm okay and I'm happy and 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 I well, sponsor I a lot of some. guys and I do a lot yeah. of stuff and I'm and I'm turning away work because I go walk Good. and look at it and go, or I go, yeah, I don't think I want to do that job because yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't really want to get hooked up with somebody who's going to be a pain in my ass. Yeah, and if I get that vibe off of you, I usually pass. No, I get you. Uh, if I can't stand back and look at it after I'm done and go, that was a good job, I don't do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not into going and doing stuff that just cobbing stuff together just so that they're, yeah. oh, you know, okay, that's not my gig. So, uh, well, and I'll tell you that. exactly what the job on Gutford is is that, um, and I don't, I mean, not, not this, this gets in, into the weeds, but uh, they, there was termite damage. Uh -huh. The termite treatment has occurred. They need the floor joists just sistered together. Uh -huh. Really, it's just going to be somebody sistering all those sort, you know, getting down in a crawl uh, and with some, you know, two by tens or whatever the joists, probably two by eights and uh, just marrying them together. That's it. And just, I mean, you probably don't have the joist hanger or anything. It's probably all sitting on a header plate. I haven't looked at the pictures of the inspection. I just know that we were having a little bit of trouble. And when I drove out here tonight, I was like, damn, he lives right next to Gutsburg. Yeah, or, you so know. Start down the road just yeah. a little bit. So yeah. maybe we'll see. And I'll give you, I'll let you and my wife talk, but um, so anyway, those are the, the fundamental things. So, uh, I, you know, and I don't know, uh, but it will anyway, and, and I'll sort of, I guess uh, we're running out of time. I'll, I'll probably, uh, pick up pace here, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, that's what I did. I just kept, I just kept doing the best I could. And, and, uh, when, the, the biggest opportunity I've ever gotten was I did a drywall patch for, um, uh, 
for an we we you know this is so counterproductive right like people in recovery were saying this is so fucking stupid right like and people my sponsor at the time was not on board with it but we would do uh older people who were handicapped and um sick we would do their work for free we would just eat it all and um i just couldn't do it you know what i mean we had too much money in the pot we were getting treated too well and it, ironically one of the deals that we got was out of just generosity from somebody like that as soon as we got done with as soon as they left and they offered me a job to come with them they took over houston and atlanta and uh dallas and orlando and detroit and they still got a small presence here and a variety of other you know uh cities um so we decided to stay and I took that over and we got another opportunity that was, you know, the best I, we've ever done. Hmm. And, um, in one deal, you know what I mean? One contract signature. And, um, and so I've been very grateful. I mean, and then the house that we were renting when we got sober and where I got engaged, uh, we bought and we rent that out. And today there was a little plumbing issue and we had this snake, uh, the drain snaked. And it's fixed, and uh, we've got another property that, uh, you know, it's it's funny how fucking life works, right? Like, so, and, you know, well, anyway, I'm not going to get into it, but we get to share an opportunity with other guys in recovery who are struggling to get to a better place, uh, and so that's nice. Yeah, that is great. Yeah. And uh, Recovery needs you guys doing that, no doubt. Well, and you, you you're helping me, you know, and we all need to help each other. Yeah. Like I can't well, uh, yeah, but get back up on your feet in that workplace coming off of felonies and different things like that, man. That's a rough spot. That's a specifically rough spot uh, to try and get, you know, the ball rolling again. And just like we said earlier, that thing about having a job to get another one, man, if somebody doesn't open a door for you, you, can, you feel- can be pretty stuck. You can be pretty stuck with that trying to go around. I have a felony now. Yeah. And, uh, and part of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Sure. Uh, no, it's a bitch. Going out and getting a job, in my old, in my old capacity. Yeah. Uh, doesn't work that well when they see that. Yeah. I I totally respect. Like, cause you know, I I totally totally get that. So, yeah, but that's service, you know, and that's a whole thing, you know. And service can look like a lot of different things, you know. And yeah, it might be helping you with your livelihood, and some people might want to be like critical of that because it looks like maybe you're taking advantage of something or you're doing, you know, but you know, uh, my, 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 my sponsor gave me a new pair of glasses, just like old Chuck C says. And I, and I, and I look at things differently. People talk so than much I used shit to, uh, saying that. that we were opportunistic and taking advantage of the newcomer. I can imagine. And like, I was giving, I them, gave him a job. I know 25 <laughs> bucks an hour. You fucking come to work and I teach you how to do a new job. You know, like, fuck man. Like you poor fucker, you know? And I mean, I didn't. I had to work for ten dollars an hour. I was loving it. I've worked for four seventy-five, yeah. and uh, you know, we would start them off. My policy is this, and it will always be this: is you start at ten dollars an hour, and I'll see where we're at at the end of the first week because I do not believe that anybody who's not going to work hard for ten dollars an hour will work hard for twenty dollars an hour. And whether they want to agree with my perspective on that, they yeah. will be paid twice as much if they shut the fuck up and do the best they can. So I can see that they're capable and I'm just like, look, you got this. I want to empower you. Like, let me get you some guys around you. You know what you're doing. You're going to work hard. Like, let me know if you run into trouble. We'll get you some other people over here and whatever. 
that is easy for me, right? Like, but what is hard for me is when you're, I'm too big for that shit, you know? And then it's like, well, I don't know how to fuck to help. I'm doing the best I can to get myself on. You know what I mean? Like, really? Yeah. I'm struggling. I had a really hard test this week. I was emotionally drained, you know? And like, or, but, or, or whatever facet of that it really equates to is the confusing. That's the, why I have to continue to go. Cause I really want to just be very nice and caring and take care of everybody. And I, I really do deep down. I want to be like able to give everybody everything all the time. It would be my, the best life, but I don't have that opportunity. And so when I talk, you know, I'm like, I've got, I've got two sponsees with fourth DUIs. I've got one with a DUI third felony, uh, you know, and they think I can help them get out of their legal trouble. And I'm like, I'm not a fucking lawyer, bro. Like, I love you. I think you fucked up and you didn't mean to. And four times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that fourth time you didn't mean to. There's a 12 qualities of sort of 12 something that is a sponsorship that I picked up off of an email that I get every morning. And one of them is, is I can't fix your problems. I don't know how. I like. I'm I, incapable. Yeah, I can't uh, fix my. Own yeah, so problem. I actually get that in front of you know, and I kind of you used to have a contract. I kind of have a contract with my sponsees, you know, and I say, yeah. look, here's the stuff. You know, I will take you through this work and see that guy and that guy and that guy. That's what they did. You know, so see if you want that, you can have that. Yeah, but you got to do this. But all the problems that you have, I'll be sympathetic. If there's a chance once in a while, I can actually help you. You know, I, I, I I'm handy. I can do a few things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we almost but did. I can't fix your damn yeah. problems. <laughs> and, and as long as getting on, but you're right, man. Uh, people come in here with a, the, another line out there, you know, problems piled up so deep we can't even begin to believe we can solve them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I seem to have started doing this work and let those problems go. And, and, and most of mine have vanished, you know, uh, most of them, not all, but most of them have, uh, have, have gone along, have, have disappeared. Well, and, enjoying that part of it is like the hardest growth right like for somebody like me it's like and that's something that i really like today is it because you know it's it will get better i mean inevitably like you know what i mean things are going to pick up and i'm going to have a different perspective on like maybe tomorrow maybe in a week maybe in a month who knows how long but if i can have a little bit of faith that this is where i'm supposed to be and like uh, this is the hardest thing that i've been trying to cope with now is like i feel like god wants me to teach everybody what it looks like to fail out of law school and still be an active member of alcoholics anonymous <laughs> and like i don't believe i mean i don't believe that but that's like the underlying like what is god trying to teach me and i hope it is how to like be faced with adversity and then to be a you know a, a impactful you know strong independent person that can you know walk through life and show other people that you know you can still be good to people during the down times and you can still be strong even if you feel weak and, mm-hmm. and those things uh and that is that is what i get out of recovery the most is that like this is just where i'm supposed to be in the situation where i'm supposed to be in and if i'm willing to learn something then maybe i don't have to keep doing the same problems you know maybe i can, i'll get another problem yeah god will give me something else yeah. He hasn't given me too much money to fucking handle yet, but you know, yeah. you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So I really appreciate that, uh, that perspective. The podcast that I was trying to do is just, oh, what? Oh, to blow my nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, the podcast, the reason that I was thinking about doing something independently was about spiritual, uh, experiences. Uh, 
So we've talked about a couple of them. I think it's cool. I would, uh, you know, there's a little thing on here when Anchor is one of my sponsors. Yeah. And part of the thing is to do a little thing for them on here, you know, and read a little reading. And, and you know, heck, I think everybody, you know, if you have a drive to do that, man, get your voice heard. And, you know, it's like the same thing on some of this other stuff. Uh, there's some people listening to this podcast and there's some, I'm getting some feedback. I'm getting some pretty cool feedback from a lot of places. Uh, I got a feedback not the other day from a girl in Africa had listened to the podcast and and facebook friended me hmm. and uh but i get to participate in my recovery by doing this you know and i think i would do this if nobody was listening uh another thing i get of where um so you back to that podcasting is that you uh shoot throw it at the wall you know and and see what happens there is a big thing about this persistence this is definitely a game of persistence this mm-hmm. podcasting game is uh, you got to continue to be uh, consistent and persistent. Put out consistent content on a regular basis, and uh, and 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 that's not so easy. Some days, you know, when my podcast guests cancel, mm-hmm. and I'm standing here without new, because I don't want to either get like real stale content. You know, I don't want to do a podcast with you and tell you it's going to come out in March. You know, yeah. not that I could really do that. I'm not that busy, but uh, I, so I try to stay relatively. Uh, fly by the seat of my pants kind of thing where we're when you do a podcast here the worst it's going to be is a couple of weeks out Great. so sometimes when my podcast guests decide they're not going to come <laughs> then i either have to invent some content and now and again uh, just do some musings uh think about what's going on in my life and i talk about it in this microphone with no guests here but uh but back to that you know so circle back back around to that is that you know i think i'm being called to do this you know, I'll go talk to a young guy and I talk about, listen to a speaker tape and they're kind of, you know, they're kind of, you know, yeah, whatever. You ever listen to podcasts? Oh, yeah, I listen to podcasts. You know, like, well, it's really the same thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and also I'm getting to preserve some people. There's some old timers around here around town. It's got a great deal of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I've been uh, fortunate enough to get a few of them on here. That is great. That wouldn't have been heard probably because they're not circuit speakers and they're not you know, running around doing all that necessarily, but, uh, we get to, we get to capture their, uh, their recovery. Cause you, for whatever reason, it seems to be, you know, one of these spiritual axiom kind of things that somebody needs to hear your story, right? Whatever that is, there's somebody out there that's, that won't really hear me. They'll hear you. And there's somebody out there that hears me and they don't hear you, you know? And, and so somebody hears this guy and, and we get them out here and, uh, other side of that is, is I get to sit across this table and make a new friend about once a week. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So uh, one of the things I like to talk about before we uh, get too far too close to end is like um, I have a thing where my sponsor had me do this miracle list. Early on in recovery, some really cool stuff was happening in my life, and my sponsor said, you should make a list. And I started. And now I have in my phone which gets backed up a list of miracles that happened. And now and again, I will tell my sponsor something and he will go put it on the list. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, these are miracles to me and the book says they're there. The book says it'll happen. Uh, so I like to talk about those things. There's, there's stuff like I know one of them I hear is you and your wife got, uh, sober together. I would count that yeah. as a miracle. Uh, so I like to touch on those things cause we do a lot of war story in here. Mm-hmm. 
you know but i also like to come up and and look at the front end you know what's happening and as a result of this stuff uh you're going to you're you're going to school what else can you think of that's been happening at uh oh i'm very lucky share some share some juice let's see my juice sign up there yeah that's what I we call the we... prana and the life force and uh we, when i my sponsees that's another one of the rules i have when you get this thing and stuff stuff starts happening for you in your life you are required to share that juice with me mm, i mean there's a lot of stuff i the school is great uh the the employment opportunities that are coming in front of us are great the opportunity you know i work with lrcc i don't know if you know any of those guys um global recovery community connection yeah. um, i've heard of it which is a group downtown that's helping to get people into houses and things like that which is very nice um i you know I, I get to do whatever I want. I've retired at 34. Ah. Yeah, I don't ever have to, you know, like I, I was going to buy a plane and my wife was like, uh, you should, is that what you want to do? Because if you want to go to school, then you can't buy a plane right now. And so those were my options. And, um, wow. And we, so we went back to school. I work very hard. I, I try to study as hard as I can because I don't, you know, we could do what I've been doing and, and never, worry and uh that's confusing as a young man in recovery who came from very poor uh nothing and a lot of debt a couple years ago and to have been given gifts that are different and it's 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 very funny right like because like uh people will disagree on what a good construction company looks like people will disagree on what a good house renovation job looks like you know um what a good bathroom tile job looks like and um and some of those uh those little eyes those little thoughts those little analytics uh can actually make 400 grand for you in a couple weeks you know what i mean and some of those analytics can lose you 100 grand in a couple weeks Mm. and um and we don't, I don't have, I don't seem to do the loss of the hundred thousand, you know, we don't seem to have that as one of our issues. So we've had an opportunity to kind of get good at stuff where there's, you know, or whatever. I don't mean to use numbers like that, whatever, 30 grand or whatever, whatever the numbers are, whatever the metric is for somebody, you know, whatever their renovation project looks like, whatever their budget looks like. We've been very lucky. And, uh, and we have, you know, we have some lake properties that we're going to be developing down uh, at Ruff, hmm. which, you know, will be 26 places, which will be nice. Uh, we have a couple places downtown that we've thought about buying and we've got some other rental properties that we get to maintain and keep. And, um, you know, I get to, you know, I get to talk to senators and, and um, you know, the whoever the fuck I want to really whenever I want, except for, uh, for some reason, that's like the funniest thing. Like I could talk to some people that are really powerful, but I can't get motherfucking like my sponsees on the phone for shit. <laughs> and like I, it, it work. I've looked at like this, like I'm killing it. Right. Like they all want to see what's going on most of the time. Uh, but in like recovery, I'm like, I feel like I just like want to give a shout out. Like, Hey, let's, I, I don't know why that is. I don't know whether it's I'm young or by the way I dress or, or, or what the d- dynamic is that makes it confusing. My language is different. Uh, I, I use a lot of profanity and I don't really know. But but anyway, I'm very grateful. My wife and my family and 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 that when uh, if you're loading this up soon, then there's 
news coming that'll probably be out, but we did not think we were going to get to have a family. And and uh, we found out we're having a little girl last week. And well, congratulations. Getting, that is another one. There we're not go. very, uh, we don't put our business out very much. Uh-huh. We try to support other people and, and raise them up. And uh, so it's confusing. That's confusing on how to tell people that. Hmm. Um, so I want to like, so I was like, gonna, we have an upstairs master and I was going to vault the ceilings and I was going to do these chandeliers that kind of had this drapery over top of the uh, baby's carriage. You know what I mean? Like, and that's whatever that's in my head. Like that's immediately where I fucking go. Like we're, uh, we're going to develop this. And uh, my wife is like, uh, no. Uh, and I need her to be like that. Hmm. Uh, but when it was like a boy, it was like, I could put him down and like you know whatever rugged you got to get your shit together you know but when i found out it was a girl my mind immediately went to like a different place um so that's where i've been at it's just been you know what i mean it's been kind of that's confusing uh i'm doing the best i can with that we've got school coming up i mean i I really don't know i mean if you knew my like some of the ins and outs that we haven't talked about for me be a a lawyer in a couple months or in a year and a half a year and a half if i get through school if god doesn't (laughs) doesn't want to teach you guys what it looks like to fail um which he hasn't yet um and i'll try hard it's so confusing to go to school like because i left a job where i was the boss right like everybody And then I went to school and I haven't been in school in a very long time. So I'm not very good at it. And like, I'm the very bottom, you know what I mean? Like, so now finding a way to like, and then I'd leave there sometimes and I'd go to work where I've got to be back at the top, you know? And like, and then I'd go to AA where I'm supposed to be like right in the middle. Yeah. And I'm like, and sometimes they bleed over. Yeah. Yeah. It does get to back kind of in this chameleon kind of feeling probably, or at least what I could think is that, you know, like I'm here, I am now trying to fill these different roles that are much different than one another. And, 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 and I feel like maybe, and I'm just, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like, you know, uh, I gotta be this guy here and I gotta be this guy there and I gotta be this guy there. And I remember being that guy a long yeah. time ago in the madness. Uh, today, one of the things I can say for myself is I'm pretty much the same dude no matter where I'm at. I don't really have a lot of different roles well, I mean, to play today. And, and I can see where you're at because it's just a, where you're at today. That's just yeah, that's facts of life. It's, just, it's not like there's some escape from that. I know. And I want to just be good. I want to take it. Like, I, I, I pray for all my classmates all, every day. And I'm, or not, maybe not every day, but I'm most, every time we have a test, I pray for them all to do well and pass and be happy with their grades and give them the opportunities they've always wanted, but we don't have the same goals. Like I want to, like we could realistically put a, put some pressure on the market when uh, I get out of school. Like, I don't know how far, how long it takes some of my peers at school to, to do that. Like, I mean, you know, that like, we just have a different, we have access to a different, to a group of people that never fucking work. To be yeah. honest, I'm around people who've never worked, never going to work sometimes in one of my circles of friends that like talk shit and they're like just different. And they like, uh, and then I'm in, and, and then I'm in another circle that, you know, like, like the, the thing we, uh, the, the board meeting we were at today and, um, trying to help and get back. And like my history is built around, trying to help the, the, the people at 
deserve it, you know, deserve a shot. Yeah. And so, well, lifting other people up, I think, is what we're called really to do. And I think that's what the, the you know, one of these, the universe is not really going to, everything's going to feel like a fight mm-hmm. until I figure that, mm-hmm. until I make that a piece of, a, a real heavy element of my life. Once I started making helping other people a uh, primary purpose kind of thing going on in my life, 100%. then the rails got greased and a lot of other things got a lot easier. And now if it's whatever, uh, but, but it's just, I'm just not fighting. I'm just not in a wad the way I used to be, you know, or I felt like I was, you know, in a constant, there was a point in my life where I felt like I was under a constant, yeah, just grunt. That's trying to felt. make stuff work, you know, and today cool. I'm not today. I'm just, uh, today my skates are just gliding along and I just kind of check out what the ice looks like where I'm at at the moment. That's where me and my wife were at, right? Like prior to me going back to law school, <laughs> it was like, we'd go to Hawaii, we'd go to wherever the fuck we want and like chill. And now it's like, uh, cause like I, I always want to pay all my bills off first. I want to pay the houses off. I want to pay all this shit off. So we stay as low in equity. I mean, you know what I mean? We don't, we don't know anything in our equity on any of the properties, you know, most of them are paid off, you know, and it's just about. Um, stay low on the, you know what I mean? And, but then when I don't work for two years and I mean, you really start to see the difference. Sure. And, you know, I mean, I might not have been making just killer money, but I mean, I was working. I was, you know, I was working the same way as we talked about earlier. If I was making $10 an hour, I just got to work 80 hours a week. You know, if I was, you know, yeah, um, whatever. You, all, all you do by tell me how much I'm making is tell me how much I'm working. That's and. Anyway, so, you know, I'm doing the best I can. That, that's some of the juice. There's a lot of stuff. We've got lake houses. We get to take friends down there. We've got a jet ski. I've got a motorcycle. Toys. Yeah, we got toys. Uh, we will have a plane, but maybe not for a couple more years. And, like, that's – I never – I I've, I don't know if that's stupid. You know, and, like, I don't have anybody really around who would tell me if it was stupid to try mm. and get something like that. And – so that's why I went to law school because I didn't want to make a bad choice. You know, I fear um, feeling stupid, you know, and making fucking up, you know, hmm. like, cause that's so, um, so I was like, I'm going to go to, you know what I mean? It's and, and I also fear having fun. Like, I don't really feel like I deserve, I don't know what I have had so many negative experiences. I feel so guilty about so many that's things that I've done and, and I really try not to, and I work very hard to get back because of it. And, um, yeah, and yet still don't feel deserving. Uh, in no way. Yeah. We will continue to get back. Yeah, and- I watched this Fonsi get a uh, gift handed to him the other day, you know, and that's what he said. He said, I don't des- I don't feel like I deserve it. So can you imagine what the universe would give you if you'd walk around thinking you deserved what you're getting? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's funny. I mean, keep that open, you know. I mean, that's, I don't know, but that's what, that's us. That's, that's who we are. We think we've, we think we've crossed some boundary where we don't deserve things anymore or something. I don't. I don't get it. It's a typical re- well, person in recovery struggle. As soon as somebody, I don't know. There's also another one. Bob Earl is one of my favorite speakers. I'm a speaker taper, t- oh, yeah. tape junkie. And he says, uh, we have this little thing where we, uh, somebody gives us something, somebody offers us something that works or is good to them. Like you like something that's working for you and you offer it to me. I immediately reject it. Yeah. And you're right off. You know? Yeah. You know? And I mean, and I can even go so far as that. Like I think about the times when somebody's walked around like a tray of like, cookies and they come by me and i go no i'm all right 
Now, the fact is, I want the whole damn tray of cookies, but I got to be too cool and I'm undeserving and I'm no thank you, you know. I, and that's what they did whenever I started getting in when when, when I was in a whole bunch of trouble and people were handing me this twelve step solution. I said, no thank you, I got this. I appreciate you, but no thank you. Until I got to where I was in a, such a pinch that that was the last escape hash that I could possibly I see. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And, uh, and my life completely changed as a result of that. But this whole, this whole thing about not deserving things is a weird, it it's is. a weird dynamic we deal with. Yeah. Cause, and I don't know if I'll ever get, I don't know if I'll ever get past it. I'm, I'm, uh, but I know my little baby deserves it. And uh, so I, me to be a good father and yep. to work hard and to uh, pay my dues and not give up on working and shit just because I, you know, feel like I might have earned it or some fucked up. You know, we all work the same, just as hard. I every, you know, I might. I think everybody gets paid based on their level of responsibility. Now that could be like offensive to some people. I've worked for ten dollars an hour in the last, you know, couple weeks. But uh, my responsibility level was low. I had to read through shit and I had to do X amount of things. And I, I didn't really have that big of a fallback. And uh, I just hoping to find new ways to get more responsibility and continue to grow. It's been, uh, it, I feel better at different times about a lot of stuff in my life. But um, a lot of my friends didn't really make it out. You know what I mean? Everybody... You know, I hear ex, you. You know, uh, my my best friend. You know, uh, several family members. You know, uh, so it just you know a lot of a lot of people. You know, like I got a buddy, and right now, like I joke around, like, do you have JPay? Because I'm like trying to because the, the to give the put money on people's books around the holidays, you have to have a an app and. Um, and they've got to sign you into it or whatever. And I'm always like trying to use theirs because you don't want to give the credentials because it sucks being on the registry. And so like, I'm always like, okay, can I get you to like JPay this money over? And, um, and so it like gives me a funny perspective on everything when I'm like, especially in the meetings when I'm like talking to really tough people, like people are like, you know, too, too tough for me, you know? And it's like, you don't know where I came from. You know, all you know is I ended up here. Uh, and who knows where we're gonna end up going, right? Like so, that's the that's the beauty part of the the back end of the thing I was telling about is there was a time when when we when it was normal, and then there was a time when uh, other people noticed, and then there was a time when we noticed. The opposite to me of that is when we start to do prayer and meditation, and we don't notice, and then everybody else starts to notice, and then finally we find out like what it was all about. That's a good point. I like that. Yeah, and so those are helpful to me. Yeah, because I don't uh, I didn't ever notice that I was getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Everybody else did. People started to. Yeah. 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 Like people that were fucked up. Yeah. And when I started to get better, I didn't know I was. And other people were going, damn, Dan, you look a lot better. Yeah. And so I I just try to I mean, I've got several sponsees now. And at the end of my first year, so I had 10 sponsees and. I was mowing the roost and I, I mopped the floor out there every Friday night and we put the chairs up and put the tables up and they got it back out and I would do uh, two meetings on Saturday and two meetings on Sunday. And I do six meetings a week now and people are always like, you know, everybody in my support, you know, or not everybody, but several people in my support group think that like two or three is good enough. And I'm like, man, I don't, 
I'm not rolling the fucking dice. You all roll the dice. Anybody who wants, I mean, I went to a lot of meetings when I first got sober. I'm, there's nothing in my whole fucking body that makes me think for one second that I can drink like, I mean, like, I wish I could. I would, I, I love the joke of, you know, if I could drink like normal people, I'd be drunk all the time. But like, I am fucking thoroughly aware that if I yeah. take a drink, I'm fucked, you know, yeah. and right now I got some shit to lose. You know, <laughs> if I get if I get fucked up right now, shit is hitting the fan. There's going to be a plane flying over this fucking building and I'm dropping bottles of liquor out. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. just. Yeah, I'm under no illusion either, man. And I know when I'm talking about these great things that happened in my life and I can run down my miracle list and talk about the cool stuff sure. and all the time. I know that that gets pulled that rug. I know. That rug gets pulled out from underneath of me very quickly. And it's not, you know, I'm under no illusion about why that stuff is going on. And I know exactly how to make it all stop right now. Yeah. It's the cornerstone. Yeah. It's holding the fucking arch up. Yeah. You know, we ain't got it. We ain't got nothing else. Yep. But another brick in that arch. But I mean, so I, uh, Anyway, so that's why I continue to go to meetings. I continue to tell my sponsees they should be going to meetings. I had a new guy call me today. I sent him over to one of my sponsees because I'm sponsoring one of his friends, and I just don't want to be sponsoring two guys in a halfway house that are going to be talking shit back and forth. And but you know, I've done it before, and it's sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. I, my sponsee needs a new sponsee, and so he's got six years. Yeah, it's the best thing to do, man. That's why we're part of this, man. Yeah, get feed them over to that guy, feed them over to this guy. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, but yeah, I mean, so now. Well, cool. You got any final thoughts you want to throw out here to tell people if uh, you got a message to send in a couple words, a couple sentences or whatever? I call it a concluder. A <laughs> concluder? Yeah, I don't. Uh, no, I don't. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to watch out for spiritual experiences. So if you find some, get them to me somehow if you can. Because, like, I really do want to share them. And, like, just like this, sharing people's stories. I would like to get on uh, a couple opportunities where I – because sometimes I need a little bit of love, you know, in the middle of my day when I hate myself and I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but clearly something. And um, for people to realize that that was part of the growth that needed to happen in order for them to share later or to be a part of somebody else's life in the way that they were supposed to be uh, gives me strength to kind of – uh, keep eating shit when I don't want to. But I mean, also, I got to give it back. That's the motherfucker for yep. me. If I don't give it back to, if I don't keep giving it away, then it don't keep coming in. Yep. And, uh, and mother line, you know, it's a limitless load as long as I continue to manage the rest of my life and give the entire product away. 100%. I believe that. I will continue to do the best I can to try and help the next guy. And if, who the fuck knows? I mean, shit, it could be lying, but it's helped my life. You yeah. know, it's made my life different yeah. in, in a good way. I mean, I, my, that's the first question. I always, and I always tell new people in recovery, uh, to try and remember where you're at and what I could have said. I know I'm not saying what I should have said, but what do you think I should have said? Because I don't fucking know what it is. And it's been so long since I was dope sick or so long since I was hung over that like, I, I, this is the best I got. Yeah, it's as close as I get to trying to be on somebody else's level and say, you know, I love you. You're doing a good job. You don't have to hate yourself and, and we're going to move in the right direction. And that's really all I'm trying to say. And I'm failing miserably half the time. 
of just saying I got your back and get your chin up and we're gonna go which is the same shit motherfuckers tell me and it's the only thing I know that works and get in the book try and help somebody and anyway that's all I got man well, cool, man. I really appreciate you coming in here and doing this. I appreciate you helping me go on the firefighting expedition oh, or potential yeah. firefighting expedition. That's a new one thing for the podcast. Uh, I, uh, something always seems to happen new now and again, and, and uh, I can smile about that one for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll wrap her up. Um, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohn. It is on Amazon. Have meetings in Louisville. Spiritualunderground.org. That's where you find show notes and whatnot having to do with this podcast. DTMWW.net for my woodworking and handyman stuff. And Darren Frank's music wrapped around this podcast. Hey, if you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own damn fault. And as always, thank you all for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner today. Peace out.
Work hard, be 